30 foot commute from the bedroom to the den. Turn on my laptop, log on and then. Got slack turned on while I do some slacking off. Got track pants on, cause you can only see my top. Though I'm a nine to five sucker, you won't hear me more. I'm living the good life while I'm working from home. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber. My name is Larry Wu. I'm Curtis Withers. Larry, the answer is this 70s soft rock songster ruined the Doobie Brothers. What is the question? <laughs> oh, who is Michael McDonald? That is correct. Yes. That is correct for 100. Only 100? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's easy. I, I would have expected that they double or something. You could but, have uh, doubled that. Yeah, but uh, Alex Trebek, we're going to miss you. Uh, I think I think even growing up watching the show, like I think I learned a lot of interesting trivia because I think it was definitely, it was a very unique game show because it it wasn't really overly kitschy, right? There was You weren't doing any weird stunts. Like it was pure knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 the thing I liked about Jeopardy the most was that it followed Wheel of Fortune. Where I, I don't I don't think there's much of a crossover in the you, audience. You, there? you got to see you got to see some of the some of the dumbest game show contestants, followed by some of the smartest in one hour. Um, speak, speaking about uh, dumbest, uh, those um, so Alex Trebek obviously uh, passed away recently, pancreatic cancer, right? Oh, that's I hear that's like really nasty. Not that any cancers are um, good, but that one specifically, I think, is pretty brutal. Um, so you know, long illustrious life in the game show, but he was also pretty. He was a journalist before, wasn't he? Like, or some kind of broadcaster before, right? Before he kind of made it in the states, I, I believe. Like, if you kind of look at his career, it's quite long standing i think he probably did a stint for the cbc i believe he was on cbc and i remember um well i don't remember i think it was before before i was born but uh i think he he i saw pictures of it he used to host like a like a like a like a popular music show like he was a hip a hip dude hosting like a like a popular music show on the cbc like way back in the day so, so he was kind of like uh, J.D. Roberts, but now what, what, what does he go by on, on oh, Fox? John, on John, Fox, right? John Roberts. Oh, he's mm. just, just John Roberts yes. now? Yes. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if you remember. So the, the, he, he also kind of transcended pop culture and there's the famous. And I guess if, if any comedian attempts to do an impersonation of you and you get it, even though they're not even trying you 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 kind of that you you kind of made it at that point if a comedian is going to parody you so um you know the famous one is will ferrell on saturday night live right mm-hmm. yeah actually but, but the, again the funny thing is he's always playing the straight guy anyone yeah. you know because will ferrell was playing the straight guy oh right? yes it was everyone else. <laughs> yes it's a sean connery. connery is the guy who played sean connery who was like the sort of uh in the vaudeville in the vaudeville duo he'd be the you know he'd be the, the wacky guy and then but but yeah will ferrell sold it so well as a straight guy yeah and uh norm mcdonald as um uh burt reynolds <laughs> burt reynolds yeah. turd ferguson yeah yeah it was excellent um, but, uh, there was an interview done, uh, done, um, and someone asked him, uh, Trebek about all of his parodies over the year. And he, his said his favorite, his all time favorite 
is um, SCTV's Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. And and again, Eugene Levy totally like they totally play him as the super straight guy, never never crack, right? Yeah. And uh, but I think in that sketch he does crack. Doesn't oh yeah. He? yeah, yeah like like <laughs> the 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 it, it's like because he he was on the reach for the top one. Uh, that was one where Catherine, Catherine O'Hara was uh, constantly buzzing in at the wrong time or stuff yeah. like that. And then he also did uh, Half Wits. Remember there was Half Wits? That was kind of later when Martin Short came on the cast. And uh, yeah. Do we definitely? Yeah. yeah. Eventually the idiocy of the contestants would 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 drive him over the top. <laughs> but... Um... I, did you ever? Did you notice? I don't. I, I don't know if I noticed when he when I was younger in in his earlier days on Jeopardy. But was he or did he just get worse over the years? Where he he just became more and more condescending if you got the answer wrong. Um, I think he he I think he got worse over the years. I don't think he was okay. like that originally. I, I no, think... the answer is what is a jar of almonds? <laughs> like, come on. He was a, he 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 had a brief stint on this uh, the show parallel to Jeopardy called that classic concentration, and that's where he was at his at his condescending best. It was uh, why it was like Chef's Kiss, because like these were like not the the quality of game show contestants that you got on Jeopardy, and uh, mm. yeah, he he was uh, not. Uh, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't like abusive or anything, but he was definitely. Yeah, a little bit condescending and comedically so. <laughs> comedically so, yeah. exactly. It, it was just like, no, the answer is this, dummy. <laughs> you can totally tell he's he's saying that. Um, but uh, your your question, your your Jeopardy esque question, um, it, it's kind of funny because I've been li- I I I want to say I've been listening, but I I heard uh, a Michael McDonald Doobie Doop Brother song, which is. Uh, you know, AM's favorite, uh, what a fool believes. And you listen to that song and then you kind of go back and listen to earlier stuff like, you know, China Grove and you realize how, how badly he infected that band. But I think he, he does that wherever he goes, right? Like, didn't he do the same thing to Steely Dan <laughs> when, when he kind of did his stint? Like it just, like, I'm just the AM friendly guy in coming to infect your band. Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of his shtick. But uh, Doobie Brothers, of course, uh, as you as you probably well know, um, despite Michael McDonald's uh, infection, one of the recent uh, inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. that's about I guess well, sort of about time. Who who uh, inducted him? Did you what? Did you see? I it? don't. I don't think that they've done the. I think they've just been named. I don't think that they've done the. Uh... I'm just kind of curious because I, usually I, I believe the band being um, inducted gets to choose who kind of inducts them in. I guess that's this kind of a tradition, right? So I'm kind of curious at who the Doobie brothers would. Maybe, maybe it will be Michael McDonald. If he's not, <laughs> if he's not getting in with them, because he made it. <laughs> I think when you, I think when you get in as a band, everybody who's in that band gets in at the same time, but it'd be pretty funny yeah. if they only inducted them on their non Michael McDonald body of work. The, the, those years yeah um but there was another 70s song that i've been listening to in the car lately and that is um an elton like i'm not a big elton john a fan but i i i started listening to goodbye yellow brick road because i thought okay i have to kind of go back and listen to some of these quintessential 70s albums you know 
rumors being an example, but Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. And the opening tract is called Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding. So it's it's like this typical, actually, it's very early 70s prog rock or Elton John attempting his version of prog rock. It's like this 12-minute opus with about six minutes instrumental and then he kind of kicks into the actual song it's 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 quite a good song like you know for elton john you know back back in the heavy coke days he he was really rocking out there like you can tell he probably closes closes concerts with the song back then i've never obviously i've never seen the man i'm not a big elton john fan so maybe it's a well-known thing that he maybe closes with the song but it's a far cry from candles in the wind that's for sure i kind of wish that i had of uh really sort of came you know started started my musical journey in the 70s because like you just can't really get away with prog as easily these days like i guess you could say there's muse they're sort of proggy but back then like even boston even on boston's first album they have that song uh foreplay long time same kind of deal it's not quite as uh it's not quite um you know like like a yes yes yeses tales from topographic oceans or anything but it is like a very sort of keyboardy instrumental uh unnecessarily long lead in to a straight ahead rock song and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah bands bands were doing that all the time oh yeah like rush following in the footsteps of yes (laughs) you know you couldn't make an album like 2112 today I mean, you could, or even any other <laughs> any other year after. <laughs> like, people would just be like, "What? Yeah. What is what is going on here?" You don't see. Maybe, maybe you could come. You can maybe you can pull off "Farewell to Kings," but still, you you well, you know, yeah, you don't see too much of that. Uh, even even bands that might even have a slightly proggy bent today, you don't see those those um, you know, twelve minute songs with four movements. You know that rush right adored so so well um yeah i, I agree i don't think 2112 would uh would have a huge audience today but I, well, you, know, you never know but 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 you're right that 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 period of time like it was all about we need to make you know this artistic piece it's got to be heavily so overproduced to the to the point where you you probably couldn't even replicate it in in a concert, <laughs> right? Like, who you'd have to have weeks of of preparation and rehearsal to kind of pull it off in concert and have everyone sober. Yeah, it's it's uh, it just seems like today's attention spans don't allow for that kind of thing. No, for sure. All right, why don't we why don't we get on with the headlines? Um, I I, I think. Th- there's no need to kind of get into the specifics of the American election right now, but all I have to say are these three words, four seasons landscaping. Absolutely. The best place to host a, a press conference, regardless of, uh, of what it's about. Oh my God. So I, 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 there's no point in reading into the story that, you know, the headline is the headline that I found just because it's, it's, it's funny. Like it was like two days later is Thank God we're still talking about four seasons total landscaping. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're 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 to we're to understand that 
they basically attempted to book the Four Seasons Hotel, right? Like, is 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 that must be the story, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine them. I can't imagine a landscaping place being their first choice. And I think uh, Rudy Giuliani messed up. Uh, <laughs> whereas people, but messed the question up. is, like, who did you call? You called the landscaping place and said, "Hey, we want to book space to do a." Um, a, a press conference, and they said, "Oh, okay, sure." <laughs> like, like, I, I, I think I like. Did they provide the podium for Julia? <laughs> like, did they have a podium sticking around? I don't know if they had a podium. I, it's, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know if they've done press conferences before. I do. I do, however, kind of like the way they've kind of uh, been in on the joke. Lately, they've got some merch now. They've got one, and it's uh, and it's got their logo, and uh, and then and then I think this is on a T-shirt. It's got their logo, and that says "Lawn and Order," and uh, and then uh, oh, and then "Make America Rake Again." Dude, you, you no one can see this, but I'm actually throwing money at my computer <laughs> and trying to make that T-shirt happen. Yeah, so that's oh my god, that's amazing. So that good, good for them. <laughs> um, but I guess the the neighbors they haven't been so lucky because no one's going to admit to going to the bookstore that's next door, right? Yeah, that was the adults. Fant- Fantasy Island Adult Bookstore. That's right. That's right. I, I know the press loves to calling it, you know, the the porn porn movie, but it's not. It's I, I think it's just an adult adult bookstore, right? I, or I don't know. Like, but I guess yeah. I think you they know, might have had no some one, novelties in there. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, but but either way, no no one's going no one's going there for. But maybe they missed the boat. Maybe they could have came out with their own little merch. There's still time. We're still talking about it, as the headline says. There's still time to cash in Fantasy Island. Uh, make America hard again. Whoa, that's good. Oh, how's that? There you go. There's a gimme for them. Law and boner. Lawn boner. That's that's it. There we go, Larry. Let's there, get let's let's get, let's, 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 call get, them let's up. get these on shirts right now before anybody else does. Let's let's call. Let, no, in fact, let's let's put a if if we if we actually had like a real producer, I would tell our producer to get them on the phone and uh, try to get an interview with them. Yeah, and and pitch that idea, and but but not actually talk about the event. But, 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 but they were talking that it hurt their business because I guess their regulars showed up, saw all the cars, saw all the people in front. And I guess these folks weren't feeling comfortable enough to, oh, I'm just going to walk into this establishment and spend my money. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, so they actually had like a pretty crappy day, which they normally would have had a good day, just, you know, being the weekend and your retail and people <laughs> need their adult entertainment. Uh, but yeah, if, if you're the one kind of, you remember when they, what they had the adult section at uh, blockbuster or any video store, it's always in the back in the separate room. Yeah, the beaded and people curtain. always kind of do, do a, do a shoulder check before actually running in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, uh, these businesses, you know, rely on discretion, uh, and uh, you don't get discretion when, when Trump's legal team is holding a press conference in the parking lot next door. Exactly, I I, I don't get it. 
Um, but uh, let, let's talk a bit more about the election. But I have a question about the election. I'm going to ask you a question, Curtis. Um, again, going into the psyche of Curtis, which we always do every episode. Curtis, what's going to happen first? Trump conceding the election or OJ finding the real killer? Wow, that's an excellent question. <laughs> Answer it. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I, 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 I think... Well, I don't, I don't think Trump will ever concede the election. Um, so I guess it's OJ finding the real killer. If I had to choose... I don't think any of either are going to happen, but if I had to choose one, I'd say there's a better chance of OJ finding the real killer. Like, the real killer, of course, you know, being himself. You'll just say, like, I can see that. Like, yeah, I can see OJ on his deathbed saying, like, yeah, I did it. You know, and I got away with it, too. And Trump on his deathbed will not concede the election. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's pretty crazy what we th- what we thought probably would provide some stability and some certainty in this crazy time it's just it's just getting worse and more interesting now i don't really know much more about uh the politics of things obviously the electoral college still needs to cast their votes but um which is again you were mentioning last episode it's just more of a formality but um you know, unprecedented times. I don't think any president other than, you know, the famous Al Gore, Florida thing um, has kind of gone to this, you know, quote unquote, sudden death overtime, I guess. Yeah. And the Al Gore, um, when he contested, it was because there was like a 500 odd vote difference in Florida. So it was one state. It was it, it was extremely close. He's right. he's just throwing lawsuits in any state that'll 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 hear one. Um, and, uh, we, a lot of them have already been thrown out. I guess there's a lot, some still going on, but, uh, well, again, I, I, I want, I want some kind of governing body with the election just says, okay, we're done here. Yeah, done. I, I do too. I'd like that finale, but uh, interesting thing that you say about the electoral college. Cause yeah, it is generally a formality, but now, you know, one of, one of the fears is that, um, He's stalling in like like in uh, in Georgia, for example, um, if he stalls long enough, um, you know, may- maybe maybe the Democrats don't get the electors that they that they might have got in Georgia. Um, so, you know, they'll they'll end up uh, even even if the the uh, result is still undecided. May- I don't know if that will work, but there seem to be some fears that, you know, if he stalls long enough, he can skew the electoral college in his favor a little bit. I just don't see how he'll be able to do it enough. You're right, because, you know, as much as they, you know, people are crying vote rigging or whatever, it like we're talking, you're, you're right. Unlike the Gore thing where it's like hundreds of votes differences. To talk about doing voter fraud at this level would be like James Bond supervillain level coordination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just to pull this off in multiple states. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're not smart enough because why wouldn't they just rig the Senate? 
Yeah, exactly. You you vote you 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 know you vote uh, your ballot counts for for a lot of races. You vote down your ballot, and it seems, yeah, it seems very odd that you would just you know throw the throw the top, but then not not uh, you know the Senate. The, I mean, the Senate is 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 huge. I mean, you know, depending on what happens in these two runoff elections in Georgia in January, the the Republicans could. Uh, retain control of the Senate. And that's a, a massive, uh, that, that's a massive block uh, for any, any democratic mandate uh, or, or Democrat party mandate. So yeah, it doesn't, it does not make any sort of logical sense. Why you, <laughs> why, why you wouldn't rig that as well. If you're rigging, if you're rigging these well, elections. I, and and I, I think that's the, I think, that's the problem. If the Republicans won quite soundly or it wasn't as close in the Senate, I think they would have abandoned Trump. But now that it's tied right now and it requires those two runoff votes that you're talking about, right? I think. Yeah. I think. I think or... So now it's like, okay, we don't want to anger the 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 average person elect uh, the electorate for those two so now we gotta continue buddying like trying to sort of stand up with trump <laughs> yeah uh it, like that's the sense you kind of get it's it's they you, you don't want to call it go and say you don't want to be mitch mcconnell and say okay yeah the election's over you know rules are rules you know there's no there's no question here but he knows that he'll lose power if he doesn't kind of play this chess game, but you know, whatever. It's just, this, is, this is extremely stressful. It continues to be very stressful. I don't know. I, 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 I don't find it as stressful as you do, but because I, I just like your university professor, I kind of gave up on the Americans. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done with them. You guys, you guys had a good run. I'm done. Like you're, I, I don't want you to be a source of, kind of indirect stress yes whatever happens in the states you know always kind of has a rippling effect to us but i'm i'm just kind of like done worrying about it i couldn't care less i just want i want them to kind of settle it and say okay move on with whatever winner is going to do whatever i you know um i'm just tired of having that guy sort of sort of Run, run a massive country that happens to border on the one I live in. <laughs> well, one story that I'm surprised, and again, that's why I kind of gave up on them, gave up on the Americans, period, um, are the kids that got separated at the border from their parents. So what, there's about 500 plus kids that they have no idea where their parents are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure of the. I'm aware of the 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 issue. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it's the. I don't know if that number is accurate or whatnot. But still, like I, I hear that, and it's like, why is that not front and center every day? You know, next to COVID numbers or whatever, and just say, hey, guess what? Yes, they attempted to enter illegally. You wanted to do it as a deterrent, but. Why didn't you, before you booted them out of the country, why didn't you say, hey, did you have any kids? Come get your kids. So now there's these kids that, you know, it's not like their parents had an address that they can call them up and, you know, ship them back. 
you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the 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 administration has shown that it's you know it's 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 pretty callous in the way it de- deals with things, and I understand that uh, they're not the first administration to act callously towards uh, immigrants or you know. To, uh, those that that aren't as powerful or, or whatever, but uh, they, they're just they're just almost like mustache twirling in their in in in, in their callousness, like it's it's cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I you're 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 totally right there. Um, I think uh, there's also something. I, oh, I wanted to kind of um, bring up as well. Um, other, other than the fact that I, I, one day someone's gonna have to give me a full oral history of the four seasons landscaping situation. Did, did you like what I did there? But the oh yes, oral history. Oral history. One more yep. T-shirt. Yeah, one more T-shirt for for that fact. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't know where where that's gonna what what's gonna happen with them. And again, I, I don't know if I really care at this point because. COVID numbers are running rampant here, which means it's even worse over there. Like I think didn't Texas hit their first, like they actually have the, they're the first state or to hit a, hit a million infections, like recorded infections, like a million. Like like just in in that state alone. Just in the state. Yeah. Yeah, Hospitalizations are up, you know, and you still have, have so many uh, deniers. I mean, I can, I can understand sort of the people who don't want lockdowns because it hurts businesses. And I mean, you can debate these points about the, uh, about how effective lockdowns are and stuff. It's, it's the people who just deny that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like there are pe- people like that, like there are people who are reasonable and they don't want to see lockdown lockdowns. They understand that, that COVID's a problem at least. It's the people who think that it's no, no problem at all and, and go around and, and, flaunt not wearing masks and stuff like that and there's just too many of those people yeah um so you know quote unquote those people so as a result of uh the angry orange not um kind of calming tempers down um you brought up a good point about the proud boys earlier uh offline so what's the what's the deal there well uh apparently i was just looking at this uh Newsweek article, and uh, there's been uh, infighting within the Proud Boys, um, and uh, apparently that so so the Proud Boys sort of de facto leader has been um, this uh, this guy who is also the uh, the head of Latinos for Trump, and you know so they they've that that that's sort of like been their argument anytime they're called you know racist or intolerant or whatever they're like wow you know we accept people of all races and stuff but now apparently um uh there's 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 a coup attempt going on within a within the proud boys uh the uh this guy kyle chapman he he recently uh he recently said due to the recent failure of proud boy chairman enrique terrio to conduct himself with honor and courage on the battlefield, it has been decided that I, Kyle Chapman, reassume my post as president of Proud Boys Effective immediately. Our logo will be forthwith our, our logo will forthwith be changed to reflect the core beliefs of Proud Boy members. 
we will no longer cuck to the left by appointing token Negroes as our leaders. We will no longer allow homosexuals or other undesirables into our ranks. We will confront the Zionist criminals who wish to destroy our civilization. We recognize that the West was built by the white race alone, and we owe nothing to any other race. So this is essentially the Proud Boys showing who they are, you know, and um, obviously, I guess, in, a, in an effort to look more palatable, probably, uh, you know, because it would look better on Trump, who's been known to talk about the Proud Boys and stuff. They uh, they sort of uh, put on a, a facade, I guess, of being a uh a more tolerant organization than they actually are so this is uh i guess this is them so, so showing they, so they had that mo- exactly so they had that moment where where the two leaders basically were facing off and the one guy just kind of went neo who are you calling neo <laughs> so um, uh but but that's but that's I, again i i find these guys really funny because why you know again why gravitate towards him his son-in-law and advisor to the angry orange he's he's quite jewish mm-hmm. um you know the angry orange did quite a bit for israel in his term you know other and moving their uh embassy to to uh to bethlehem right uh jerusalem so jerusalem yeah, yeah. sorry yeah. sorry so I, I kind of find it funny that you know it's that the 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 angry angry guys that don't like Jews like kind of overlook that stuff <laughs> like yeah it's all um, yeah it's 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 pretty ridiculous um and I, I wonder how Trump felt by the way about uh uh Netanyahu recognizing Biden as president-elect it, that kind of sat, sat too well with him he probably threw something across the room, probably a cheeseburger. <laughs> no doubt. Or maybe he didn't really even catch it, right? But yeah, totally. That was like political slap in the f- equivalent of a slap in the face, right? Like, hey, thanks for your help. But yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm th- I'm throwing my lot in with this guy now. <laughs> your yesterday's uh, news, Trump. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's 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 betting on that horse, I guess. Oh uh, well, it's it's it's. I think we're in for another long haul, and we'll we'll. I'm sure that we this won't be the last time we we talk about this. Hopefully, it won't be the last time we talk about Four Seasons landscaping because I I really want that T-shirt now. Because now I'm reading about, I'm reading about all the other T-shirts that came up, and one of them is um, uh, I guess the do you, do you know what the Philadelphia Flyers mascot mascot oh, is? Gritty. Yeah, it's like that weird so it's orange gritty. guy. Yeah, so it's 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 gritty um, on the uh, on the back of a trailer, and it says "Not the Four Seasons Hotel." <laughs> That's great. Hey, anything that can include gritty, I love gritty. So I, I'll 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 get that for you for Christmas if I can wow. if I can trace that one down. That'd be awesome. I'd wear it with pride. I'll be good. I'll be, you could you could wear it along with the party shark hat. <laughs> All right. Um, every, I think we're, we're, we're doing pretty well with this every other week we do a review. So, um, why don't we get on with that? One? Oh, wait, 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 sorry. Before we do one more headline or more 
it's more of a, I guess, a confirmation of our earlier prediction from a a previous episode. Um, If you were to swing by and pick up your latest copy of Entertainment Weekly, so it came out this Monday, um, uh, Scarlet Witch um, and Vision, or Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, are on the cover of Entertainment Weekly looks like they're doing a push for WandaVision. So it looks like um, they're winding that one up. Perhaps our prediction of after Mandalorian season two goes, um, we'll actually get uh, some MCU TV nice. on Disney. Plus. New Marvel content. I'm here for it. Yep. Yep. So um, it's, it's a pretty cool looking cover because it's, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, d- dimensional rifts, um, mix so like half of it's black and white and it's the, the color is kind of bleeding out and it's it looks like the signals also being interrupted so um it's a pretty smart cover from what i understand how the show is going to go so um yeah so that, that was a quick that was just a, a quick thing i thought we just kind of circle around on that but um all right so our review this episode um so the cucumber review is 1997's Starship Troopers, um, based upon based on the book of the same title. So this is a story about a distant future. Um, high school kids are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is they'll soon engage in full scale war against the planet of insects, and the fight is the fight is on to ensue the safety of humanity. I'm going to let you lead this one off, Curtis, because I didn't really find this one too favorable, but we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, why don't you go ahead? So what did you think of your review of Starship Troopers? Oh, I, I, well, the thing is, I've, I've, I, have, I have not read the book, so I only know the movie. And uh, I remember I remember it being it being kind of a bit irreverent and I think that's what I liked about it. And so in the review, yeah, I think like I really like the sort of uh Paul Verhoeven, who's the director, his 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 touch is very much on this movie and that there's a lot of like uh um propaganda videos. I don't know how it is in the book, but in the movie, Earth is kind of like um they sort of allude to it being a a fascist uh, country. They talk about how how uh, in 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 the class in the classroom that the that the kids are in in randomly in Buenos Aires. I don't know if they're from Buenos Aires in the book or not, but they live in Buenos Aires. They don't. They're, they're, and they're, no they're, one knows Spanish. They don't. It looks like America. It looks like looks like sort of Beverly Hills nine one nine zero two one zero. But apparently they're in Buenos Aires and uh, uh, in one of the classrooms, which is taught by. Uh, uh, Radzak, I think, is the name of the teacher. Who's, who's Jer- Jeremy Irons? Yeah, he's played. He's played. No, he's played by uh, Michael Ironside, Canadian. Sorry, sorry, Canadian. Yes, yes. Canadian treasure, Michael Ironside, and uh, and 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 so the teacher talks about how, like, the evils of democracy were uh, were overthrown by uh, by sort of like a just military regime who who installed this this um, citizenship. Uh, this citizenship track. So there's essentially two types of people in society. There's civilians 
and then there's citizens and citizens have the right to vote but to become a citizen you have to do service for the you know for the for the federation or whatever so i loved all the little um propaganda videos and and sort of tongue-in-cheek uh satirical elements of of it and i kind of wish there was more of that i think in in my mind i remember it being a lot more satirical but it is kind of like a straight up uh science fiction and 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 I think and I think you're right in some ways. It's not a particularly good one, but for me, with the with with those sort of uh, extra elements, the, the science fiction story to me was enjoyable enough from a from a B movie kitschy level. And then I loved all the little all the little bits of flair that uh, Verhoeven puts in. Same kind of thing he did with RoboCop. He took a pretty standard sort of sci-fi story and 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 put some some fun satirical elements into it. And stylistically, the the two are quite similar in terms of his what he thinks the future would look like. Yeah, <laughs> kind of dirty in some ways, and dirty in some <laughs> ways. But then anything that's kind of futuristic looks really, really fake. Like it just yeah. kind of this does not come off. Like it doesn't come off. Like so, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah, I didn't like the movie. I, I think I remembered I didn't like it the first time when I went through it and. Again, I had read the book, but again, I read it as a teenager. So I think I read it in grade nine or grade 10. Um, so I got into it because I don't know if you remember and me and some folks that probably within the same vintage as I remember this um, TV show that was host that was on TVO. Um, and it was hosted by um, Rick Green. Mm-hmm. Rick Prisoners of Gravity. Prisoners of Gravity. So he was talking about, I I don't know if it was an episode on Heinlein, but they were talking about Starship Troopers. And, um, and I just remember at the time also, uh, Japanese mech, uh, anime was becoming very popular. So the Macross series had just kind of done its run. So people were thirsting for more, but just that whole concept of, you know, giant armor running. So that kind of got me into the book because um, they were talking about how, you know, he wrote it in 1959. So he must've wrote it like 58, 57. Um, so post-World War II, Korean War. So the the country, this world's been ravaged by war and it's still at war, which probably um, influenced him writing this book, but about futuristic war. Um, but uh so I'm not going to compare the two. So I, I, I told I told you at the beginning I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go and say they're they're two different things. And I always I always say that about anything when when it's adapted by a book. The book is a thing, and the movie is its own standalone thing. And it's just unfair to compare either or. Um, what I have problems with with Starship Troopers is, I I guess I didn't like Rico. You know what I mean? Like. I, I couldn't attach myself to any of the characters. Um, even though the cast is, well, the lead character, the lead characters, like if you watch the movie, you'll, you'll see, Oh, I know that guy. So you'll recognize Clancy Brown, uh, Michael Ironside. Look at that. NPH is in the movie, right? A younger Neil Patrick Harris mm-hmm. is in the movie. Um, he plays the, the gear guy, right? The guy that becomes military intelligence and he's... Yeah, I think he's psychic as well. 
yeah exactly so um but uh i guess i didn't attach myself to any of the characters so that that's problem number one like i uh, fine you don't want to put the mech armor that this guy in the 50s more or less invented fine i'll i'll overlook that but i i i didn't find i didn't find myself um relating to rico yeah maybe if he did if 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 it was more of a coming of age story and focus kind of him you know really wanting to do this but his motivation to becoming a citizen was just following carmen or denise's denise richards character who uh by the way johnny rico is supposed to be i guess well in in the book i won't compare anymore but yes he's from buenos Aires and he's you know spanish descent like denise richards character is carmen ibanez so once again <laughs> another spanish influence but you know uh but his influence or his main reason of joining was that not to become a citizen because he had a pretty in the movie he has quite the cushy life right mm. like he's looking from a well-to-do family which also doesn't make sense if there's two classes you're either militarism class or your citizen class but it seems like hey if you're you know just a regular person you can do okay yeah but you can do okay but he you don't get a say in and you don't you don't get the respect yes yeah. I, I i get that but it was it just it just kind of got to me because even like his rico's parents didn't want him to go right mm-hmm. you'd think i can't and i if i again not comparing the book uh, i think everyone's encouraging johnny to go and even i think in the book because it is more of a coming of age story like he's unsure if he wants to do this you know and over time he you know becomes rico's redneck uh, roughnecks right um visually as a science fiction movie all i have to say is my 12 year old turned to me and said Spaceballs looks better than this yeah, you're not and, gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, go to this movie for uh for 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 amazing special effects. That is absolutely sure. Uh, the well, the interface you know, on the ships all look like they were from the Commodore sixty four. I, I think I think it was just unimaginative design. Like the ships look really boring. Their their armor and their weapons look really boring. Even the arachnids was just kind of underwhelming. Like I think, um visually it was also you know nothing to kind of go ooh wow like wasn't there like a really bad scene of them going into some kind of um light speed when they're heading towards oh, yeah. her training mission it it just looks horrible right like interestingly enough the uh, models were uh, industrial light and magic but you know what in the 90s like during that period of time like it seemed like they all kind of had that same look. So I don't, I don't know what, what influence that had to it, but I don't know. Um, so where else do I want to complain? So I kind of like Clancy Brown's character as the drill sergeant. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I also like Clancy Brown because he was, uh, he was the voice and body actor for, um, uh, in the in the Detroit video game, That's right. the Detroit, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hank, uh, yeah, and and I really liked the Hank character in that, yeah. and uh, I really enjoyed like that storyline in the game too, and and he's he's a decent character actor, right? You've seen him everywhere, mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption, uh, to name a few. He was um, actually some weird trivia, like 
Clancy Brown, who's drill sergeant, Michael Ironside's like military. Well, he wasn't he wasn't military, but he was a teacher that was in the war or lost his arm in the war. Is that? And then he was military later on because he was the original uh, leader of the Roughnecks before. Yes, right. So both of those both of those actors were both in the Highlander series. Right. So <laughs> for those that want to cross over. Um, yeah. And even uh, I'll even disagree with you, even as a science fiction movie, like when I'm watching this, it's it feels like a science fiction movie by someone who doesn't read or doesn't really get science fiction. Um, and there's a few other movies that I, I find that um, over time like that. And I wish I kind of made a little list, but there's a few hit, few, few, movie, few movies where I, I came out watching and going, oh, this person's never understood science fiction. Like, it's not about whether or not to make it aesthetically look good, but, you know, you I have to kind of be drawn into the story and kind of drawn into the world and just kind of that level of immersion. So you kind of go, okay, fine. You know, this is all good. This, it totally can happen in this world. The, in, in one of the earlier scenes, they're playing kind of their version of box football and all they have is like just hockey helmets on. And just... not only just hockey helmets, they're Yofa helmets. <laughs> it was like, and it just, it yanks you out of the movie for a while, for a bit, right? And you're like, huh? What? Oh, okay. I kind of like that for some reason. Like, because I kind of <laughs> like the way the movie was structured because it starts um, with, like, it starts on, I think it starts with a propaganda film. And then it's almost like uh, you're dropped in and there's like a war correspondent and they're on this planet with all these like praying mantis type bugs. And uh, the war correspondent is talking about how the humans are invading this planet. And then they just get slaughtered. Everybody gets slaughtered. And then it goes back to how it all started. And and they're playing they're playing football in, in Buenos Aires, this box football sort of thing. And the first, like, 20 minutes or 30 minutes of the movie or so has a weird sort of, like, 90210 kind of vibe to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me introduce this, like, love triangle tug of war with denise richards character yeah and denise denise richards character so there's De- denise richards plays uh carmen ibanez and then there's uh dina myers plays uh yeah uh dizzy flores who 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 i thought was a pretty good character in this in this there, there I, I thought like some of the characters weren't so bad i wasn't a huge rico fan who's like the the main character uh played by casper van dien who I think has made like his career out of Starship Troopers direct to uh, DVD sequels since this. Cause, uh, cause, yeah, let me guess. He's been in all of them. He was even in very recently. I think maybe two years ago, there was like a Japanese uh, sort of computer animated uh, Starship Troopers movie, and he did the voice of Rico. So he's still, still, still milking it. Um, but I liked uh, I liked Ace. I liked uh, I liked Diz. I liked uh, yeah. I like Clancy Brown's character. Yeah, there was some there was some uh, some characters I could I could get behind. Um, but yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it. I kind of liked that whole sort of high school sort of uh, first thirty minutes or or whatever. I found I found it I found it very amusing. NPH, as you mentioned, is. Uh, features prominently in that in that uh, part then disappears for a lot of the movie and kind of comes back at the end 
well, because there's also this weird, like, yeah, high end of high school pact that the three of them make. Yeah. That. And uh, Denise Richards, by the way, like, I can't think of a more. And we were talking about this before the, uh, before the before the the show. I'm sure she's a lovely person in real life. I just can't think of a of a more sort of difficult uh, actor to watch. She just like. <laughs> Just that perma, that really fake perma smile throughout the entire movie, and just just mm-hmm. that delivery, that really sort of like almost unctuous delivery. Yeah, she, she was she was tough, uh, but uh, but uh, I, I I don't know. I kind of liked the I kind of liked the sort of like roughnecks bonding moments. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. there was a lot I, I liked about it. Um, now I will say that you know. This movie, I would, I would, I'm not going to say this is a, a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I found it, I found it, I wasn't bored. I found it entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really, I, I, I was trying to figure out the order of the movies because you mentioned that the actress Dina Meyer, like she's been in quite a bit of uh, science fiction over years and and horror movies, uh, but um, I, I didn't realize she had done it before because it, it's almost a very similar character that she plays in um starship troopers is she's in johnny mnemonic and if you remember she's like um kind of one of his companions along with the with, with keanu reeves and his adventure and she's like super tough yeah character um kind of his muscle right um and she in much later years you'll also see her on um uh, which Star Trek was it? It was one of the Next Generation. Oh, she was in Nemesis. Uh, she was like the Romulan. She was, she was the Romulan captain right. in Nemesis. But by yeah. far, in my opinion, the, the well, the second worst Star Trek movie. Uh, so I can't I guess I can't say by far is the worst one is definitely um, the one where they kill God. Which one was that? I think the uh, well, that was the the undis- not the undiscovered country. The one before the Final Frontier, Star Trek Five, the one that they let Shatner direct. Well, the, you you know about the Star Trek curse, right? Well, it's like every second every second movie is the it, good one, right? Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's the odd numbered ones that uh, are are not very good. Mm-hmm. That that seem to, and I wonder if Nemesis or Nemesis and um, <laughs> take, um, yeah, maybe maybe we should do a review of that one because I'm kind of because I I got you're right I kind of lock that out of that is that the final one with that crew yeah it's got a young it's got a young tom hardy in it uh that's right he plays he plays like an alternate does he play young card like a like picard from an alternate dimension kind of thing an alternate reality no, ang- angry picard. he's very angry yeah it's got some of the some of the the best stunts like I guess I guess I don't know they let Michael Fr- uh, or Jonathan Frakes uh, do his own stunts and it's pretty hilarious. Um, so I, I, I guess uh, for both of us we kind of got split on this, but I think after watching, I, it, I think it just brought back memories of why I didn't like Starship Troopers. So um, I don't know if we, we we never really give it a review. We 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 call it, call this the review because we are just kind of going back and rewatching it. But um, I wouldn't give this one a, a, a recommendation to rewatch, but it sounds like you would. I would. I think it stands up in, I think we also ask if it stands up and I think it stands up in some ways. Yeah. Definitely the, the effects are dated. Um, 
you know, a lot of the acting isn't that great. You know, uh, some of it's better than others, but uh, um, I, I think like just the <laughs> just that they live in sort of like this blissful fascism, uh, I think is is kind of uh, poignant for today's <laughs> society. So um, yeah, I think I I, I would uh, I would give it a watch if you just wanted to. A yeah, as a sci-fi as a sci-fi movie, maybe it's not great, but as sort of like a a fun sort of like military movie with a, like some satirical elements, you could do you could do a lot worse. Yeah. So um, instead of saying spoilers, I'll 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 do my little spiel about the book. So um, whether whether if you read the book and, and there's always been debate whether or not he's satirical in the book as well. But yeah, Starship Troopers is kind of also I think it's probably coined as being one of the originating texts for militarism. I think that's, that's like what they call it. So you called it they they the book here calls it fascism, whatever, but it's actually in in that in the Starship Trooper book world, it's more military life, if you will. Kind of kind of takes over, like you know that military might is the most important thing, um, but it's not in like a fascist way. It's just you know, whoever has the most guns is and and has the power, you know, should be in power and should have say in how society works. Um, uh, so he does kind of t- talk about that in the book. Um, I was mentioning that the, the book, I, if I remember, I, I want to go back and read it now that we've um, uh, did the review. It is more of a coming of age story of Rico, um, less of the, you know, love triangle thing, but just how, kind of him trying to come to grips with being in the military and kind of living that life. Like the book ends um, pretty much where the movie i think it's like three quarters into the movie like that's where the book ends like the book the book ends with them getting ready to go to uh Klautu. is that how we pronounce it the the home world yeah something like that yeah so because by that time like rico is no longer you know he's he's sure himself right like at that time it's rico's roughnecks it's it's his crew it's you know hero reached his end of his journey right whether they win the war or not, it doesn't matter. Rico's made it to his journey. And I think that's why um, I had troubles with Starship Troopers because I didn't give a crap about Rico in the movie. So, I don't know. We'll let you guys decide. Um, maybe, maybe we'll actually get some uh, some some reviews on uh, iTunes about about this episode because I'd love to hear what people also thought about this movie if, if someone is a, is a big fan. But you, when, you go, when you do go to... Um, um, any uh, convention or or fandom type thing, you never see anyone dressing up as a as a roughneck from the from the movie. No. So there's got to be saying something. Chris. I think I think it has a it has a reasonable cult following though. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll give you that. I'm not going to deny it. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean maybe <laughs> maybe maybe not with the fan fan expo crowd that 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 uh, that that we sort of know, but I think maybe. Uh... You know, it has a, it has a, it has its, uh, it has its fans, I think. Yeah. But one thing I do want to point out about the book that's really interesting, and I kind of started off the top about talking about mech armor was 
you know, you're reading this book and, you know, as someone who's seen Macross and seen Japanese anime, you're, you're reading this book going, okay, hold on. This guy wrote this book in the late fifties and he's describing, um, powered exosuits, basically mech armor that these military, uh, infantry put on, um, if you ever play the game uh, StarCraft, um, they actually take bits of it because I think they—they they, I don't know if they use the term in uh, uh, in in Star Trooper the the movie, but they use the word Terrans in in the book, um, which is what the Earth Earthling class is in uh, uh, the video game StarCraft. The military armor that they wear is described very much like the Terran armor in StarCraft. It it looks like a, a diving, like a powered diving suit, like the way he describes it. Um, and it kind of turns you into this mechanized gorilla, if you will, um, that they can, it's nuclear powered and they can fly around and they actually, you know, they, they do they do jumps out of space in these suits. <laughs> um but it's quite amazing when when you have that type of imagination and foresight. Like the way he's describing it is, you know, with technology he's seeing around him. But it's like, geez, this guy invented mech armor, like Iron Man. It's 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 all him. So it's 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 pretty amazing. Give it a read, Curtis. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, uh, I'm intrigued now. Yeah. Um, it's just it, you you read it and you're kind of like, in today's world you'd be like, oh, whatever. But again, you got to put into the perspective that guy wrote this in the fifties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, okay. But I have to bring again, again, maybe it was because they just needed to put that, this scene in the, the unnecessary shower scene when they're kind of <laughs> all. Playing. I think that's another Paul Verhoeven uh, jam right there. I mean, this is the guy who did yeah. strip tease. So, you know, yeah, I was just kind of like, you know, all right, I guess you want to show that, they they they're a unit and they all shower together men and women Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, i don't know that seemed that seemed more more like an 80s moment right yeah you're you're totally right it totally felt like an 80s moment but you know uh, it did it 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 still felt creepy but (laughs) uh but I like how, you know, the, the way the one thing that was kind of interesting that I they did a decent job was showing the class structure within the military, because you see how Rico and his roughnecks live compared to Denise Richards character, which they're all like in prim and proper suits and in space and flying yeah. and um, and then NPH. But um, oh, I forgot to mention, ask you about the breakup letter. Did you like that? <laughs> P.S. It's 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 you, not me. I, I, I did. I got a kick out of it. I you know it was pretty wet. It was pretty telegraphed. Obviously, you can see it. <laughs> you can see it coming. But uh, it was pretty funny. Just like you know, everybody's because it's on video. Everybody's around watching this letter, and you know, then she then she uh, cuts him loose. But uh, Ace, uh, you know. Played by uh, Gary Busey's kid there. I forget what his name. Mm, yes. But anyway, it's right there to pick up the pieces. That's that's uh, roughneck culture right there, man. 
<laughs> uh, they'll always have your back once you you know once you've been to war with the, the, those people they'll always have your back yeah all right well we'll be back with another review in a, in a future episode um this was your pick um i'm gonna i'll pick something soon any any uh anything that uh we've kind of done a few we've kind of done a few movies in the 90s now right this is our second movie in the 90s after big lebowski and kind of check so maybe i'll do something not too not too in the distant past but far enough that we haven't seen in a in a while but i'll i'll, I'll think of something good for that all right um uh curtis did you uh get your ps5 yet uh i haven't got it yet no, okay but uh i am i'm looking forward to it uh i have parts of it so far i've got a camera and i've got a controller charger <laughs> not too much but not, not much you can do with those two things on their own that's that yeah i i i'll i i have the playstation vr camera adapter that came in the mail today yeah. with a with a very uh, nice letter that said, you know, thank you for being a loyal PS uh, VR owner. <laughs> I got to admit, the, 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 the box for these components looks pretty slick. I'm excited by the packaging. <laughs> that can only, hey. only mean that the console is going to be amazing. I, 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 I think so. So hopefully you'll be able to get that soon and give us a little uh, maybe a unboxing experience and booting that up for the first time. Oh, absolutely ends another episode of the existentialist cucumber remember you can catch us on uh spotify and itunes just do a little search for existentialist cucumber and you'll find us in the podcast section if you are listening to itunes show us some love give us some stars leave a comment leave a review it helps um or give us a zero and tell us we stink that's quite all right in fact we're still waiting for our first uh one or zero our first I'm gonna I'm gonna revel in our first negative review. Oh, we'll we'll actually read it out on on a future show if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you as always, Curtis. And just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. <laughs>